0: I think there's pelican on the other side. All right. Hello, everybody. I am at Swabi Island in Portland, Oregon today. Off the, it's like a beach type thing on the Columbia River. Um, and I am gonna record here, but do note and understand that there will be background noise of waves and potentially, like, boats. Um, I will pause when some large boats come through, but there might be some, like, speedboat background noise, just so you know. There's also, like, dogs playing fetch in the water next to me, <laughs> so there might be that as well. Um, hopefully it won't be too loud, and I apologize in advance if it is. Anyway, I want to uh do a creature feature today. And it's another double creature feature. And I want to do it on the double crested cormorant and the European Starling. And those of you who know me and have been following me know that I love me a European starling. And I love me a European starling for very specific reasons. Um that are outside of the fact that they're a cool ass beautiful bird um but also they are just so hated (laughs) like hated to the point of of murder and I felt weird about that for a very long time since ever since I got into birding about just their whole the way the ways in which they're talked about and painted and all this stuff um and in my continuing of birding, I found that the double crested cormorant is also viewed in similar ways um very hated um and killed called I think the idea of Murdering animals uh, 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 for personal reasons is wildly sociopathic to me. Like I don't, I don't understand how someone can hate something so much that they kill it. Okay, it's a bird. Is it really bothering you? Are they really truly bothering you? Anyway, I digress. I get back to that later. But I did want to say before I started the Creature Features that I have been sitting on this for a long time. Um, All of the ideas that I'm going to get into and the things that I'm going to talk about, I have mentioned probably briefly in a number of episodes where, you know, we're talking about racism and birding and and the kind of institutionalized racism and the ways in which the specifically American society is set up on the pillars of race of racism Um, and how I can look at the ways in which people bird I will specifically say white people bird as also being well within those confines of of racism the ways in which people look at certain birds is racist. Now it can't be racist per se by definition, but it can be discriminatory based on what they look like, right? Or where they come from, right? And the reason why I haven't said anything in more detail until now um, is because I went through a battle in my head about how I really, truly feel this and have felt this, like I said, since I started birding, um, especially about the European starling. But I came up to this point where I felt like if I was going to talk about these ideas that I had, these feelings that I was having, I really felt like I needed to be really scientific about it. And I literally sat down and... And started researching all of these things in order to prove my point or validate or ensure that I would be validated by white people, essentially. Like, especially white scientists. Like, I really struggled with that. I (laughs) really—I finally got to a point where, like, it doesn't fucking matter. I see it this way— and I feel this way, and I had started to see other people, specifically black people and people of color, saying the same things, and that was validating in and of itself. Um, specifically, Drew Lanham. Um, somebody also point, pointed out something, it's like a Facebook post, um, where someone was saying the same thing about how racism, there's like racism in birding against people, right? um and then also the ways in which the act of birding is done through a racist lens and that black birds, um, and brown birds suffer and struggle more than your what quote unquote exotic birds or quote unquote good birds. You have to look at what a good bird is. Um painted buntings or um these really like beautifully colored birds who are tropical or whatever honestly whatever whatever it is the birds that are considered common and therefore are not put up on a pedestal tend to be brown and black birds let's let's just get let's just that's the fact that's a fucking fact drab birds you know what i mean male birds who are sexually dimorphic from their female counterparts are much more revered for their beautiful color than their quote-unquote drab brown counterparts think about um wood ducks male wood ducks are beautiful so are female wood ducks their eyeliner goes uh, winged for days baby like get get like honestly um, we can talk about red-winged blackbirds. The males are more revered for their <clears throat> red patches on their shoulders, but the females are also strikingly beautiful with their um, with their stripe their striping on their body. Mallards, male mallards with their bright emerald green heads, but the female mallards are brown. Most most ducks. T- tend to look the same when it comes to their females and but they are all uniquely patterned in extremely beautiful ways and female mallards have this call <laughs> that they do that is just like straight up laughing and I laugh every time I hear it because I know what I'm putting in my head is that they're laughing their ass off at their male counterparts being dumb just dumb you know if you know the call, then you know what I'm saying. And, it, and you'll never be able to unhear it. And you'll never be able to unthink anything else. That is what they're doing. They're laughing at their, their, their partners. So anyway, I realized that the hesitation of, of putting an episode out about why people hate starlings and, and double-crested cormorants cormorant so much um, has to do with straight-up racism. Um, Is because I was trying to placate to whiteness. Um, I was trying to make sure that because it's such a controversial topic. um, And I think I don't even know that it's controversial more that it's just racism. It's just such a hot take when you say that you like appreciate a starling that people will jump down your fucking throat about it, you know. If you're a new person who started birding and you post a picture asking what that animal is, and it's a starling, the it's usually white men who jump down these people's throats and say that's a European starling. You have to kill it, kill it immediately. They're this, they're that, and it's troubling. It's troubling. I don't understand the amount of hate that comes out of people for a small bird. I don't get it. Anyway. And I just was like, I don't need to do that anymore. I don't need to be perfect. That is um, a symptom of of white supremacy. I don't need to have scientific proof to back up my claims. That is a notion of white supremacy. Um, and <clears throat> I'm just going to fucking say what the fuck I feel about it. And y'all can either take it or leave it. So let's start with the double-crested cormorant. Easily one of the coolest freaking birds ever. Um, And they are so just like wildly interesting to look at. (laughs) I think they're beautiful. They're like all black. And they kind of have this oily look to them with this yellowy orange facial skin. Y'all, I'm sitting on here. I'm sorry. I have to pause. I'm just sitting on this beach. Again, I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of the Columbia River between Oregon and Washington. Um, and I am literally just watching California sea lions just like breach and go back down and breach and go back down. And it is giving me a life. I, (laughs) I just, I love this place. It's one of my favorite places. Anyway, so there yellow and orange skin facial skin makes them really bright and then they have these really bold beautiful like blue eyes um and it is just one of the most impressive like color patterns I think that I've ever seen on a bird um and they are just so funny because they'll you know they 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 live in larger bodies of water where they can You know, eat as much fish as they need. Their diet is consistent, consists mostly of fish, um, but it's like a wide variety of fish. So sometimes, like I think someone recorded that they that they can and will consume up up to over 250 different types of fish. So they don't just go for one type of fish. Um, They also ensure that they. Live near bodies of water large enough to to sustain their fishing habits right so they're not really going to be found on ponds or anything like that because there's not enough fish um so like on the columbia river where i'm at there's actually a a really cute population of cormorant that live by all of the boathouses that live on you know that like are on the columbia river it's really cute i can always guarantee i'll see them there um and they also will be out on the coast um with along with some uh subspecies uh of cormorant too like the Brants cormorant i think you can find out there and then the pelagic cormorant which i saw for the first time a couple weeks ago when i was on the, co- the coast they're a little bit smaller than the double-crested and they don't have that yellow facial skin um And they do this cool thing where they, like, dive under the water and will chase fish while they're underwater. Um, and they just use their bodies, their powerful bodies, to propel them while they're underwater, um, in order to catch them. There are many other cultures that actually utilize the cormorants, um, different species, obviously, it's not the double-crested, um, but the cormorant family, um, to help them fish. So one of the bigger places is gonna be in China where they will basically work with <laughs> the cormorants around them and train them to go fish. Um and it sounds like they tie kind of like a a tie around the, the base of their neck that isn't tight, it doesn't choke them, but it's a certain size so that they can still swallow small fish, but they can't swallow big fish. So they hunt the fish, they come back, um, with training and then they will regurgitate up those larger fish um and that is how uh traditional fishermen in china will will work with and utilize the cormorants to help them with fishing and they also still are able to eat as much fish as they need to it doesn't happen all the time or anything like that um and so i think that's really Cool, the cool thing that maybe some people don't know for nesting. So, I've never seen a cormorant nest, um, by any means, but it sounds like they um will nest on like the tops of trees or um, the, let me see here. Um, on the ground. On rocks or reefs with no vegetation. Or on tops of trees. And both of the cormorant mates will work on the nest. And the male working the hardest. And do mostly made of finger-sized sticks. I am reading because I don't know about cormorant nesting behavior at all. Like I said, I've never seen one. And they will have a clutch size of one to seven eggs and they will brood um or have one to two broods per nesting season and do 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 huh interesting because the babies are naked at birth which is not necessarily common for water water birds so like ducks um ducklings when they're hatched they're totally ready to go into the water. They do require some preening from the mother in order to, um, coat their feathers with like non, you know, like water resistant oil. Um, but they're ready to go. And so it's interesting where the cormorants as being water bird. They're not ready to go when they hatch out of that egg. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, I also love that they basically spend most of their day after fishing just, hanging out in the sun you mostly you know the typical cormorant kind of behavior is seeing them perched up on something just with their wings spread out just freaking chilling they're drying their feathers off you know they do a lot of 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 swimming and yeah they are waterproof but at the same time most birds are but if you spend a lot of time in the water um you're going to inevitably um You can inevitably become waterlogged in which those feathers um, no longer are uh, resistant to the water. And if you become waterlogged, that means then you cannot fly and that becomes dangerous. So drying out their feathers is really important. And it's one of those, like I said, stereotypical kind of behaviors that we tend to see cormorants doing. If they're not in the water diving, then they're sitting somewhere drying and chilling and hanging out. And I love that they are self-caring in that way for the majority of their day i'm here for that all right so here's where we get into the thick of it conservation so their numbers are going up um but they were pretty low due to persecution and um basically pesticides essentially um and since the ban of pesticides they have bounced back but they still are under persecution. And by persecution, what do I mean? What I mean is, (laughs) uh, what I mean is individual fishermen or companies who believe that cormorants are the sole reason for lack of fish. Again, individuals or companies, fishing companies who believe that lack of fish in the environment is due to a cormorant. Or, cormorant population in their area, and so they get called. Calling, for those of you who don't know, is mass murder legal mass murder. And U.S. Fish and Wildlife is such an odd, and state wildlife organizations, too, are, are odd entities. They are both tasked with the conservation of these species as well as the management of them. So when populations get too high of whatever XYZ animal it is, they are, you know, tagged in to essentially call or permit um more hunting seasons so like for deer whitetailed deer in, in Ohio specifically where I'm from I know that there are large numbers of them they are overpopulated and so their hunting season is all year so I'm specifically going to talk about Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife that last year not last year sorry 2019 there's a big conservation um movement to stop this bill that allowed Culling of the double crested cormorant um, because they basically blamed the cormorant for the severe lack in salmon population. Now, look, now, look. (laughs) Now, salmon are of huge importance for the indigenous. People's along the Columbia River and have been well before our settler assets have ever been here let me correct myself white settler assets have ever been here and so the reason for the decline in the salmon population is years and years and years of mining and logging damming And I mean you guys can google the damming of the Celilo Falls that was one of the worst things anyway I'm not going to get into it cuz I'm going to get upset. But you can google it. And the uh, to to sit here and say that the <laughs> double-crested cormorant who eats again over 250 250- Different species of fish is the sole reason for the decline in the salmon population in the Pacific Northwest is fucked up, and it's inaccurate and it's not true. And then to go on and, and call a bunch of those 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 birds in order to fix the problem, ODFW also did that to the California sea lion. They blame them for this the the decrease in salmon population. And like, mind you, they don't give a fuck about. The actual population of of the salmon. They don't give a fuck about the representation or the importance of the salmon in in indigenous cultural practices and spirituality. That's not why they want their numbers back. They want the numbers back so that they can make money. Because the fishermen are not making money. Because of, of... Ugh, capitalism and racism is really what that boils down to. And so the lies in which they are going around and telling this is, is, is just so is, is factually inaccurate. So to sit here and and 100% wholly ignore the years and years and years, decades, centuries of displacement of indigenous peoples here in the Pacific Northwest along the Columbia River of of cutting down trees and logging and damming off important rivers and and waterfalls such as Celilo Falls, where that had such a huge cultural relevance for... For the Yakima and other indigenous um, groups along, again, along the Columbia River who utilized that for fishing, just to sit here and ignore what you had done to an entire community of human beings um, over some salmon, and then to, to try and place that blame on a species of bird... Um, and then a, a species of mammal, uh, like the sea lion, the California sea lions, and then to kill them over it. It's It's so deeply and inherently fucking wild that, that, that people don't see the relation and the correlation between racism and 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 birding and so especially when you have an individual human being who is a fisherman to sit here and ask for the murder of an entire organ or i'm sorry an entire species of bird the double crested cormorant because you can't fish are you fucking serious ain't that some 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 self-centered white idealistic bullshit them salmons ain't here for you. Oh, look. Oh my God. So I, 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 and then just the hate that these birds get and that they, you know, I can go through some headlines that I've come across in my research on why cormorants are so disliked. Um, They're literally called alien species. They're literally made to think Like, people think that they are not like invasive, non native species. And I even hate to use those words, invasive, non native, because what the fuck? Literally, xenophobic terms that we use to classify animals that white people brought over. Mama, get into the European starlings for that. But cormorants are native, they've been here. (laughs) Like, they, they didn't, they're not, they did not immigrate from somewhere else. They migrate around the country during you know, breeding and non-breeding seasons, but they're found everywhere. They they live here. They've been here longer than you probably. So it's it's problematic. It's very highly problematic. Thankfully, places like, you know, small conservation organizations really had a hand in, you know, stopping that stuff. Let's also not get... I'm not going to get too far into this because I'm going to get heated and I'm going to get pissed. I'm going to get sad. But let's also not forget that this bird has also... This gets into the right, like pure racism, the, the racist lens in which we see the world. We, when which white people see the world in every facet, is that this bird is still has historically and is still being called. And I don't even like this one. I'm not, ooh, it, 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 it like stabs me in my entire body to say it, but I'm gonna say it to make all of y'all uncomfortable the way I feel uncomfortable. It's still being called the nigger bird still to this day I found that out from an article about, from, written by Drew Lanham I did not know that I did not know that, that birds would even were, that animals were even like called that word and the history the root of that word stems literally from racism from white supremacy from the idea that black people are less than human beings three fourths of a man okay So when you put that word onto an animal, that is the idea that you are saying about that animal. And you are akinning that animal to that idea of a black human being. To a slave. And it's still being called that. To this day. We're in 2021, bruh. So you can't sit up here and tell me that that's like, oh, that's historical or, oh, that's just a hand-me-down term. I don't give a fuck. Shouldn't nobody be using that word ever. And so the idea, that is racism. And if you don't see that, let me say it one more time. That word stems from the idea that black people are less than human. That is what that word means. So when you take that word and you put it on a bird, that is literally the idea that you are putting on that bird. It is racism. You are looking at that animal through a racist ass lens and you're using it because you don't like that bird and you're literally akinning its blackness to the blackness of a a black body that you think is less than human being. Okay. Let me correct myself. It wasn't the nigger bird. It was the nigger goose. And let me be clear again how fucked up National Audubon is. They have a whole ass article called The Killing of the Warden that came out in 2014, which is a, I guess, fictional account of Guy Bradley's murder in the language of the time. Now, that's some bullshit right there. Because when you say, oh, it's just it's the language of the time, that means that you're hiding behind that you, you already know that the language is fucked up because there's the 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 n-word is dropped a bunch in it because they reference cormorants in this way and then they the person who wrote this story is a white person and they basically said oh well that's what the local people the local colored people again that word is also fucked up call these birds and that's like no that's not not no they might call it that, but why do they call it that? You, We didn't come up with that word. Y'all did. And y'all got us fucked up calling ourselves that shit. You know what I mean? So it don't matter who's calling it. If you, you're, you're hiding behind, again, oh, well, a black person said it, so it's fine. First of all, we ain't no damn monolith, again. Second of all, National Audubon needs to take that damn article down. You still got that shit up. They still have that on their website. Who cares about this human being? I don't even know who this is. Why do we care about him? And why do we care about a story? Why would I want to read a story that is so abrasively racist? Racism and birding goes beyond what black people, what indigenous people, what people of color, black and brown people face while we're birding. It goes so much deeper into the fact that racism is birding. Alright. I'm going to get into the European Starling now. Before this gets too long. (laughs) Actually I don't give a fuck if it's too long. I'm going to get into the European Starling now. Um, I'm not going to go into explaining all of these details. And teaching this audience. Y'all can Google stuff yourself. um, If you really care. And you can really learn about what I'm talking about here. I'm not going to get into details because it's too much work. I'm here to honor and 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 love on the double-crested cormorant and honor and love on the european starling and let y'all motherfuckers know that the way that we see them and the way that we treat them is fucked up. And you can do your own research about why by yourself. All right? So let me get into the European Starling. I love me some Starlings. Let me tell you. Before I even started birding, I was like, that's such a beautiful bird. Didn't even know what it was. They're beautiful. They are gorgeous. They are the inspiration for my a new color palette that is going to come with my new logo. It's not really a new logo. It's just a new color theme to my logo that reflects the European Starling. And this is why. Because their blackness, the way that black feathers on all birds glisten and shine in the light in the sunlight and also emit iridescent colors so you're a black bird but you are multiple colors at once especially when you're in the light it reminds me of and the the european starling story itself reminds me of 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 black history okay let me get into some all of the factual, like you know, creature feature stuff about the starling, and I'm gonna hit on that a little bit more. So the European starling was brought over by Shakespeare enthusiasts. Already, I'm done with this story. Okay, <laughs> like already, I'm over it because he, it, along with some other birds, I don't fucking know which ones, but the European starling is the one that I know about. in the in the 19th century. Uh, Shakespeare was like oh I'm gonna list All these birds off in my Stories and then all of my stands are gonna I guess Bring them to these places That they now have Have uh, Stolen From indigenous people To make them feel like they're more at home That's why they brought the starlings over Okay let's get it fucking right And so that happened And now because they are extremely adaptive have have basically blossomed, so they're they're also known as the common starling. I will never refer to them as that because they are nothing but they are not common. they're beautiful. they are numerous in their numbers because they are highly adaptive. So they came over so you can find these animals literally anywhere they can't they have done a great job of. Of adapting to life with people, so they're in urban areas, they're in suburban areas, they're in the country, they're on the coast, they're by water, they're in forests, they're you know they, I don't know that they don't really hang out in forested areas, but they can if they needed to. So they are kind of everywhere. you'll find them everywhere. They also have a highly varied diet, so they can and will eat anything. They love berries, they'll, they'll eat bugs, they spend a lot of their time in fields kind of probing the dirt for insects and that's kind of typically how we see them in large groups or they're in trees in large groups um, like that. So here's where they kind of kind of get their, the why, why people hate on them. Why people hate on them is their nesting seasons. Or like their, their, the way that they nest. So they're cavity nesters. And they will. They prefer already excavated nests. So they will utilize. Um, anything that is a cavity. Um, or old woodpecker cavities. Um, or really. Really anything that is cavity-esque. So. <laughs> they are. Very good. At. Acquiring these Cavities. So, that means that they will become highly aggressive and kick out certain other species that also use cavities, um, especially during nesting season. They're very, very good parents, I will say that. And it's funny because there's a northern flicker behind me popping off and I did once see a Northern flicker beat the shit out of a European starling trying to steal its nest. (laughs) And I mean, flickers don't play. There are other species of bird that end up succumbing to the aggressive nature of the European star. And let me clarify, too, I'm not using aggressive as a pejorative meaning here. I'm I'm using it as a compliment. They know what they need and they go after it. And they do it by any means necessary. Honestly, they will kill other birds. Um, and so they're good parents. Like, I, I feel like if we were to take those same descriptions and put it onto other species, um, a lion per se, or even a person, a mother, a human mother who is aggressively protects their babies or aggressively gets what the fuck they need in order to take care of their young. That's a positive thing. That's where I'm coming out with that word. So don't get it twisted. But anyway, the the flicker beat the shit out of it, but there are some species of birds that aren't as capable, and that's their problem. Sorry about it. I feel this way about the brown-headed cowbird. This is another bird that's really highly um frowned upon for lack of a, of a harder hitting word. Um because they lay their eggs in other birds nests I'm just sitting up here like That's adaptability to its finest Okay So you just because the system In itself is flawed that you As an individual species of bird Are too dumb to notice That that egg ain't yours <laughs> And that that whole ass big ass giant ass Fucking cowbird is, is Not yours and you're still taking care of it And they ain't gotta do shit Hey don't hate the player hate the goddamn game Okay So anyway, starlings, they are, they are viciously good at what they do. And so here's the problem. When we talk about starlings, we're utilizing these words again. They're non-native invasives. They are aliens. They are um, this, they are that. And that now that they have adapted so well to a place that they're not familiar with and are succeeding so well that other other species are not doing well at it when you're a species of animal that can only eat one thing or can only live in one place that's not good evolutionarily because things change and if you can't adapt to the way things change because you don't have a broad spectrum of 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 things that you are good at or things that you can eat or places you can live you can't adapt to coexisting with people that's evolutionarily a fault and it don't matter if the starlings going to come in and wipe your ass out something will so why are we faulting the, the starlings for this and then let me tell you why if this starling now despite the fact that they are beautiful again iridescent they have these white spots on them and in, in breeding season their mimicry is beautiful albeit flawed you can tell when it's a starling it's like the jays like you can tell like the calls that they're doing are just not quite right and so they they'll get you though really they'll, they'll have you fooled for a second but you know they're 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 beautifully talented wonderful animals and the, the murmurations that they do like are you kidding me That's like a phenomenon of of mother nature that, that starlings do. That a lot of bird species don't. Okay? And we're like, oh my god, so beautiful. But damn the starling, we must kill them. You know, like, what the fuck? So, the issue with it is this. When scientific... Wordings such as non-native invasive species, um, alien species, whatever, is placed on an animal that is black and also was brought over here by white people, white settlers, white colonizers, um, who essentially murdered, not even essentially, I was going to say essentially cold a bunch of people. I don't even want to put those words together because it makes me feel weird. But who essentially came over here and just like, Did what the starlings did I don't understand how you are mad at that You brought them the fuck over here It's your fault White people, white settlers White colonizers And now you're mad that they fucking are Doing well So let me put this in a different way You brought Africans over here On a boat to exploit into slavery Kill Abuse Traumatize Into a place that they're not familiar with And After, after Slavery was abolished Black people Learned not at your own hand. Excuse me. We didn't know no fucking language. This was not the language that we we're speaking. A lot of Africans came from different parts of Africa and, and did not know each other's languages. So could barely speak to each other. So after all that, being in a foreign fucking place, after slaves were freed, the adaptability of black people in America has a thriving, not just surviving, but thriving on your fucking mistake, and now you mad at us, and now you're killing us, again in a different fucking way. Let me put it in a different way: anybody coming over down, coming up from Mexico or anywhere really, but let's talk about Mexico. You want to talk about xenophobia, and you're labeling them aliens. Oh, and then let's not get into non-native invasive and you y'all ain't fucking native either none of us are indigenous to this fucking land so how dare white people white scientists call the european starling or any species that's not from here but has been introduced and is successful even if they're not successful introduced by white people non-native invasive you got me fucked up And if you can't see how that is a racist lens, how that language is racist and xenophobic, then I'm sorry for you. Because that's where it comes from. Again, don't hate the player. Hate the fucking game. And if you don't understand the game at this point, then you need to do some damn research. Again, I'm not going into details. That's not what this is for. So when you walk outside and you hear... A European starling, specifically. Love on the cormorants. But when you hear a European starling, I challenge you to not immediately be disgusted by it. To not immediately think that they don't belong here. To not immediately hate that bird. To not immediately want to kill it. Because it's not the bird's fault. It is doing exactly what it it needs to do in order to survive and thrive. It is literally just being a bird. I challenge you to look at its beauty, the way that it is colored, the way that it shines in the sun. I challenge you to listen to the mimicry. I challenge you to listen to the vocalizations that are not mimicry and find the beauty in them. Because at the end of the day, what I want everybody to take away from this episode in and of itself, two things. One, I'm going to say this for like the fifth or sixth time already. Racism and birding is not just what Black and Brown people are experiencing while we're out birding. Racism and birding is literally the act of birding. The act of birding is racist inherently. And the follow up, the co- the, the the part two of that is is that nobody is making us bird this way. Nobody is forcing us to call these animals non-native invasive species. And we do it because why? Somebody said so? Okay. Because some white man with some credentials that were probably handed to him way too easily said so? Because some authority who's saturated in white racism, white and racism said so? You ain't got to walk through this this world. You ain't got to walk through birding doing it the same way. You don't have to hate the European starling. You don't have to hate the double-crested cormorant. You can bo- you can look at a, a, a crow. I think it's beautiful. The same way you might look at a paint and bun scene, like I said from earlier, as beautiful. Nobody said that you have to bird the way that we are birding. And with that, I'm going to end it. I'll drop some links for people who actually want to um, look things up and research and, and, and know more um, but do the challenge see what happens for you I guarantee you it's liberating especially uh, for my, my, my black and indigenous and POC listeners it's, it's, it's real liberating to not do this do the birding the way that it's been taught to you. okay? Um, all right, have a great day. Don't forget you can always go to my um, coffee shop at buymeacoffee.com com backslash always be burden podcast and donate. Um, 50% of the proceeds go to my uh, black and brown guests that I have on and to me to keep this podcast going and remember you know it you can always be burdened